Blue Wire. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is Kyler Murray. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. He is Houdini. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami. All right, guys, welcome back to the Established Pass podcast presented by Clutch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I am your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan, and we are back here to talk a little bit about uh, the action from uh, Week 17 in the NFL. The regular season is over, uh, and we also have some coaching changes to talk about. So uh, this episode, Dylan, kind of going to be all over the place because uh, a lot's going on, and uh, we will mostly keep our playoff talk for uh the episode later in the week so uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of going to talk about just the fallout from week 17 and um some of the things that as we look ahead here into the off season for teams that aren't in the playoffs a uh, lot's going on so uh plenty to talk about and before uh we do that let's go ahead and just quickly run through uh our always uh highly awarded um <laughs> this critically acclaimed whatever you want to use uh, our individual uh, picks here on some of these. Uh, we'll start with our games of the week here, Dylan. Um, obviously for you, the Rams are in the playoffs, so that's worked out well. We both picked the Cardinals. Uh, we thought it would be a pretty good game. I don't know that it was the game of the week, uh, but uh, a very uh, good game nonetheless for your Rams. And uh, we also picked the Packers and the Bears, and uh, that turned out to be your usual Packers and Bears affair here as of late uh, with the Packers dominating that one. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, two noteworthy results, uh, as we say, going in just based on playoffs. Yeah, and I anticipated that the Cardinals-Rams game would be a little bit more exciting just because I thought Kyler would be on the field, obviously. Uh, his injury threw things off a bit, and then it came down to, at that point, you got two backups, one guy that had you know a whole week working with the first team, uh, getting ready to game plan. And the other side for the Cardinals, that was not the case. Also, the Rams' defense, one of the best in the NFL, finishes uh, number one, I believe, in scoring defense uh, for the entire season, which is just, you know, I, I thought they'd be good this year, but wasn't, you know, fully sure about Staley and everything he was implementing. It's obviously worked very well with his philosophy of a, more of a college-based uh, you know, really manipulating the field in a way that we don't really see with some uh, with single high safeties with a lot of teams in the NFL with their two high that they always do. Uh, obviously, it helps having guys like Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, but they were dominant. There were some questionable calls here and there, but nonetheless, I mean, they outscored the Cardinals as a defense. They get the safety with the holding in the end zone. The pick six, they only give up the one touchdown after the, the Wolford first pass that gets intercepted. I thought the rest of the game, Wolford looked pretty good, made some nice throws down the field. Um, on the run and obviously in the running games, things that we don't really see from the Rams. They have really struggled throwing, uh, you know, 15, 20 plus yards down the field this season. They they were able to anticipate those moments when the Cardinals were going to bite on the quick routes and it worked out, even though they couldn't punch it in the end zone, that's going to be a problem with they when they face Seattle, but still a great win for them that, yeah, really helped the Bears. Obviously the Bears would not be in the playoffs. If the Rams had lost, the Rams didn't know that they were going to be able to get in based on the Packer win. Packers just, I mean, it's, it's crazy. They're, they end up with the same record as they did a year ago, but I couldn't feel more different about either team. Like last year's 13-3 and three team just did not feel like a 13-3 and three football team, did not feel like a true Super Bowl contender. I feel like this team 
it is the best team in the NFC at this point. If the defense continues to improve, the offense is just that good. Obviously, the Saints are right there with them. Tampa Bay is probably close as well. But at this point, I mean, the Packers, especially with the home field, you have to feel really good about what they're able to do. The Bears hung in this game pretty well. They end up, you know, with total yardage-wise, uh, end up outgaining the Packers. Obviously, the, the drop by Valdez Scantling and the, the and beginning of the second half uh, would have helped the Packers put the game away quicker. And obviously they finished quite well, but I thought Chicago all in all has to feel at least decent with what they put on for most of that game until the last six, seven minutes. Uh, it's going to be a really tough test, obviously, for them against the Saints, but uh, at least they get in the playoffs thanks to the Rams beating the Cardinals. The Cardinals disappointing into a year that, I mean, they had a lot of ups early, kind of struggled as the year went on. Disappointing for, you know, if Larry Fitzgerald, not sure if he's going to retire. Cliff Kingsbury talked about it, saying his, the decision won't be made anytime soon. But he wasn't even able to play in the game with an injury. So hopefully that's not how his uh, career goes uh, out, especially with now Kyler. I feel like this team is not too far away from contending and trying to get back in the playoffs again next year. Well, as for our betting locks, uh, you're cashing in this week. Uh, we finished strong uh, with uh, the curse of the double-digit spread officially over. Although we didn't win, listen, we didn't lose you any money uh, whenever I picked the Colts <laughs> minus 14 against the Jags because, as we know, they wound up being 28-14 to 14 Colts. So at least get a push there. You're not losing any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all that matters, right? We're not here to lose you money. <laughs> I'm not saying you're always going to win, but uh, we just don't want you to lose anything. Meanwhile, if you went with Dylan's pick, uh, you won some money because uh, Dylan went with the Saints 6.5 on the road against the Panthers. Uh, that was an easy one uh, as the Saints win 33-7. to seven. Um, Nothing really, I guess, a uh, huge note there, Dylan. We kind of knew what the situation was mm-hmm. uh, for the Colts. Uh, they are in the playoffs uh, with the Dolphins' loss to the Bills. And um, as for the Saints, uh, they are kind of where we thought they'd be uh, on the outside looking in from that first round bye, but they're still in the playoffs. And then for our upsets of the week, uh, we'll run through those quickly. Uh, I picked the Eagles uh, to Uh beat Washington. Uh, That did not happen. (laughs) And uh, we're just going to start there because I think there's plenty to talk about uh, with that game. Uh, On the other one, uh, Dylan did go with the Jets against the Patriots, but um, that was another one. Uh, Not exactly a pretty game, but the Patriots uh, scored two touchdowns late uh, to win that game. But let's talk about Washington and the Eagles, Dylan, because uh, that's what a lot of people are talking about. Um, It's hard to believe we went into that Sunday night game thinking that either Washington or the Giants were going to be the representatives (laughs) of the NFC East uh, in the playoffs. But it turns out it's Washington, and turns out that uh, a lot of people uh, were unhappy with it if you were a Giants fan uh, or a fan of other teams with maybe how things turned out there. Oh, yeah. The Giants players were all over social media, too, in addition to, I'm sure, many more fans that I didn't see the reactions from. But players were in disbelief. There were players from other teams even chiming in, talking about saying this isn't right, this and that. Obviously, the Eagles don't really, I mean, they owe anything to anyone else. It's not like anyone got mad at some of these other teams that are already had kind of playoff positioning decided, like the Steelers are the team, I believe Doug Peterson mentioned, um, uh, you know, in terms or as actually Ron Rivera talking about the situation mentioned the Steelers no one gets mad about you know them sitting guys obviously they're uh, going to the playoffs Eagles nothing to play for here but uh, except for uh, three draft picks spots uh, they you know they it was a difference between getting the sixth overall pick and the ninth overall pick you can argue what that means and what the mentality means for a lot of these players and these guys that have worked all season even if it's ended up in a disappointing fashion for the Eagles I obviously wish they had at this point, going into this week, it would have been made for better entertainment if they had won uh, in Week 16. Then it would have been a, a de facto NFC East Championship game. 
Uh, Jalen Hurts wasn't amazing by any means either. That's one thing that, uh, you know, wasn't pointed out completely. Obviously, much better, though, than Nate Sudfeld and what he was able to do. Uh, so it was a, it was interesting. It was a really, I mean, I wasn't expecting much because this is the NFC East. It's prime time. We've joked about how <laughs> the NFL is, like, forcing us to keep our eyes open to watch these games in prime time. But the first half was actually pretty fun. Uh, I thought, I, all things considering, it was a pretty good game. It was 17-14 to 14, Washington at the half. Eagles bounce back pretty well with a couple drives to take the lead there for a moment. And then, yeah, the second half happens, and it's just it becomes a game that wasn't even wasn't even about the football. It was just like everyone's on Twitter talking about debating what's going on. Uh, uh, NFL, there was I forgot who sourced some league sources that weren't happy with this, as if you know, like this is what they get for putting <laughs> a team that doesn't have anything to play yeah. for into this game. There just wasn't. I get why they put this game here because there weren't any. Uh, other games they could put into this slot that wouldn't possibly be affected by the, the you know, for competition, for fairness. They couldn't put, like, say, the Rams-Cardinals game here because the Rams would have known after the Bears losing they didn't even have to win to make the playoffs. So it really – they kind of had to do this, um, but it, it did put them in a really bad spot because, yeah, the Eagles, they don't owe anything to the Giants especially, but to anyone else, if they wanted to make this decision, uh, if, you, if you think it was really tanking or if it was really just about what – before the game, Doug Peterson said, he said if he saw an opportunity to put Nate Sudfeld in and the final game of the year, he was going to, to reward him for his time with the franchise. He hasn't, you know, he's stayed loyal to them and everything. So it's not like he didn't say it was a possibility. It just still was shocking. And then as a football fan, I, I was like, I was just, the game was pretty good. And then it became a fourth quarter. There was just a comedy of errors and it, Washington kept trying to give them the ball with like fumbles and different weird things. And it was a weird game, man. It sums up this division, though, perfectly, as well as the, the Wayne Gallman fumble and recovery, the butt recovery in the uh, the game against the Cowboys when they all they had to do was fall down to run out the rest of the clock. It just This is this division. Uh, hopefully it's only one more week that we have to watch one of these teams, although Washington, I have enjoyed watching their defense uh, uh, quite a bit, and I am excited to see what they're able to do against Tom Brady and that offense. It sounds like Mike Evans is going to be good to go for that one at this point. Pretty early diagnose, uh, prognosis, but nonetheless... Looks like he's okay after that scary injury. So that should be fun. But I just, I don't really trust as much as the Alex Smith story has been fantastic as they kept mentioning as anytime he got pressured, anytime he had to move his legs to and make throws on the run, it just was not there for Washington. I anticipate Tampa Bay's defense, which has been pretty strong this year, generating pressure and making things pretty tough for Washington in that playoff game. Yep. We'll talk more about that uh, in uh, mm -hmm. Thursday's episode of the podcast. Before we get into some of the coaching chaos, Anything else that stood out for you from uh, Week 17 in the NFL? I think there were probably three things for me. Mm -hmm. The Bills are pretty good on offense. Um, <laughs> the, the Dolphins, who we said was probably going to be the team on the outside looking in, sure enough, they were 56-26, uh, uh, quite a quite an end of the season there uh, for the Bills. I think also Antonio Brown, who I remember, yeah. I want to say that was, was that my bold prediction going into the year? That was one of the ones I had. I think that someone was going to wind up signing him. And what do you know? Yep. Uh, Antonio Brown, 11 receptions, 138 yards, two touchdowns uh, in that game against the Falcons. And uh, he, I tell you, on, on really both of those, I guess, like he, he looked like the old Antonio Brown in terms of just on the field, uh, which is a scary thought. Uh, mm -hmm. there in terms of uh, what he could accomplish uh, if he stays on the field. And then, of course, the Titans and the Texans. If there was going to be any other way, like, of course, this game just had to be pure insanity. Uh, Titans winning 41-38 <laughs> uh, in true AFC South fashion. Uh, yeah. And it's just, I mean, you're, you're looking at that and you're like, oh, my goodness. It's like, is this really, Titans really going to do this? Um, and then they find a way to win 41-38. Uh, Those are some of the things that stood out for me. 
Yeah, that was one of the more exciting games. There weren't uh, maybe overall a little disappointing with seven playoff spots in play. The overall drama wasn't insanely high. The Steeler-Browns game maybe had the most drama of any of them with the Steeler backups finding a way to fight back, just a two-point conversion away from tying the game there at the end. But obviously that was a highlight for sure with the Browns clinching their first playoff spot in 18 years. The Bills, yeah, I did not anticipate as the game went on and they – uh, as we got closer to game time, the reports were that the Bills weren't going to, like they were maybe going to start Josh Allen for part of the game. He didn't even officially start. He started as a receiver on purpose, so this game wouldn't uh, count towards his overall record. I, now they probably wish it did because they end up keeping him in for the whole first half. He was incredible. I mean, he's, uh, at this point, Aaron Rodgers probably my MVP, but Josh Allen is right there in that conversation. Uh, had one of the... Uh, one of the first uh, seasons, I'd have to look up the stat again. It was one of the first seasons in NFL history with X amount of uh, passing touchdowns uh, and rushing touchdowns and yards and passing yards. It's just incredible what he's able to do. That offense looks insanely good. Obviously, their defense benefited from a pretty mediocre Dolphins attack. I kept That was one, one of my takeaways. And I kept wondering what this game would have looked like if Fitzpatrick with his experience and uh, what he would have brought possibly if he was able to play there for the Dolphins, if it would have been a closer game. But they fell apart really in all three phases. Their defense has been so good all year, and it looked – I mean, a lot of defenses have looked pretty average that are good defenses. Think of the Broncos a couple of weeks ago against the Bills, uh, even the Steelers for some, some portions of that Bills-Steelers game. So that's not completely on the Dolphins, but they do give up the punt return touchdown. Dolphins have been one of the best uh, special teams teams in the NFL all year. It just all fell apart so quickly, and that really did, took away from – the drama because it was like at that point you, you feel like even though the Colts Jags game got close for a bit later you felt like once the Dolphins lost you're like there's no way that the the Colts lose to Jacksonville the Titans at that point already clinched the playoff spot so the drama wasn't as high and even in with the the way the Packers started pulling away from the Bears then uh, the drama for the NFC side for those last couple of wild card spots wasn't nearly as crazy as well so that that was one part for me it was still fun a lot of fun games the most I think they said the most touchdowns uh, in the red zone they're saying the most touchdowns scored during a red zone episode ever <laughs> it helps when you have 15 <laughs> games on at once really week 17 is probably your best chance to get that each year with so many games on red zone with all the games being on a Sunday only the one Sunday night game so that was a lot of fun um well, what other takeaways that, I mean, that might be the last time we see Matthew Stafford for the Lions. Last time we might see some of these other guys with some of those uh, teams they've been with for so long. Who knows if Derek, uh, Derek Carr will be the Raiders quarterback. That was a kind of fun, crazy game at the end of, of the red zone of last telecast of the year with them going back and forth, forth with the Broncos. Both teams with terrible clock management, but hey, it's, you know, whatever. It's week 17. Might as well go for it. Um other, t yeah, I mean, Buccaneers offense looks great, man. They've looked really good the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, that, I, they, you know, obviously they're the five seed. Huge that uh, they're able to get that game uh, there. Instead of having to play the Seahawks or Saints, getting to play the NFC East winner in Washington. Now they'll likely be in the second round. And I think even though the AFC side, which is not something I anticipated, across the board, really strong. Every one of these playoff games I'm really excited for. NFC side, uh, I think the divisional round is maybe where we see the strength of this conference. Uh, it, it's interesting to me, though, before the year, that maybe that is a takeaway for me. I did not anticipate the, the collective strength of the AFC to be this high with, uh, you know, a 10-6 and six team missing the playoffs with all these really good teams. Even the Colts, they're the last team in, and they easily could have won the division, could have been there, uh, you know, with a couple things bouncing their way differently. If they beat the Steelers a week ago, they're the three seed. 
So, I mean, it's that, you know, that's incredible to see. I'm excited to watch all of those games. And, uh, yeah, we'll obviously talk about them more. But it's going to be really crazy having the 3-3 three, three setup. Uh, you know, I was a little skeptical maybe when it first came out <laughs> that we were going to have all the, uh, you know, the extra playoff team if it would water it down. I don't think it did that at all. If anything, it maybe did water down the race for the two seeds because you don't get those buys. But I like the idea of the top seeds being the only ones rewarded with the buy. And now, yeah, I'm really excited for the extra game, especially that Colts-Bills game that we wouldn't have got last year. Uh, obviously, Bears-Saints, That the Bears did keep it close against the Saints earlier this year. I think the Saints should take care of business as we you know, go further into that game coming up. But Colts-Buffalo, man, that's going to be, <laughs> as much as I think the Bills have a chance to run the table in the AFC, possibly as the biggest challenger to the Chiefs, that is a really tough first game for them. Yep, it is for sure. And uh, as you said, we'll talk more about it. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Later in the week, and uh, before we talk about some of these uh, coaching uh, hires and fires, um, let's talk to you about uh, Blue Wire Hustle, which is a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, just go to bwhustle.com slash join and check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, let's talk about some of these uh, coaching situations here as uh, we now have six jobs that are open uh, in the NFL. The Lions, the Falcons, the Texans, the Jets, the Jags, and the Chargers. Uh, let's talk about the Chargers for a second because that was one that um, I think people weren't really sure about. Uh, you saw conflicting reports one way or the other. Uh, they loved Anthony Lynn. They obviously didn't love Anthony Lynn because they decided to fire him. Uh, but uh, there was a lot of ups and downs with that one. But uh, I think the common denominator is when you look at the Chargers, um, when you look at the Texans, when you look at uh, the Jags, who are probably going to have Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, I mean, and even the Falcons, I mean, we know what they have on offense. It's just like a lot of good offensive talent on some of these teams. It's just a matter of uh, finding the right fit and getting the right person in there. I mean, even the Lions, you know, Lions have some good offensive talent. Um, there's just, I don't know, it's just trying to find the right fit. But I thought the Chargers one was probably the one that was uh, certainly the most, uh, I don't even want to say it was surprising, but I guess mm-hmm. of that group, uh, it was the one that probably caught you off guard a little more than the others. Yeah, the reports kind of last week were saying that it was likely that he was safe. And then Sunday morning, Jake Glazer on Fox was like, I was like kind of pull back on that. Like, this is not necessarily the case. And uh, two, I mean, this pretty often the thing that we ha- see happen for coaches in the NFL 
uh, as teams that are really struggling, we think a coach is definitely going to get fired. Then they they find a way w- against other teams that aren't really in the playoff race to win games, or in this case, Kansas City today or uh, yesterday without uh, any other starters in. So and then it ends up leading to a team keeping a coach that they might not have otherwise because they can justify them finishing strong. You could argue something similar could be happening with the Bears. And these are both two teams that just two years ago, uh, the Bears obviously still have their uh, as they go to the playoffs, their coaching staff. That's the one other job that may be similar to this in terms of what could happen uh, if Nagy is safe. But uh, both teams were 12 and four two years ago. And the Chargers, I mean, we forget that because of obviously the Chiefs dominance in that division uh, lately. Um, but it's it's a really intriguing job just because of how good Justin Herbert's been. I mean, there's not as I look at the other the other positions. I mean, you could argue maybe the one that's more intriguing as we go through these is Jacksonville, just because of uh, it's like a, it's a very clean slate uh, with the roster. Not just uh, you know obviously you're gonna have the number one quarterback there, but you have all this all this cap space, all these picks. Uh, it's just uh, you get to basically start from the ground up building a team the chargers a bit uh you know even if they have some issues I, a bit more well developed at this point obviously they have a lot of talent on defense if they can stay healthy and the offense didn't look bad this year uh, i mean justin herbert looked really good through over 30 touchdowns as a as a rookie that's pretty incredible uh, i just think they're built uh, you know pretty well at this point to uh not maybe to be too far off from contending for playoff spots uh, clean up their special teams which has just been abysmal all year uh clean up some of the the time management things and another year for justin herbert another year for uh some of these uh guys together i think it's definitely a really intriguing spot um and i i'm just curious now if they're going to go stay with the kind of defensive coordinator route uh or some guy that they're you know someone to build around a culture wise and get an offensive coordinator obviously robert Sala has been mentioned uh and a lot of these uh in a lot of these uh, situations for head coaching jobs, he'll be in high demand. I, 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 but yeah, I'm really curious to see who they're they're going to try to chase after. There's so many, I mean, great candidates. But like you said, all these teams have offensive talent. I just think like the opportunity to work with a younger guy. That's the thing. Like the Falcons have Matt Ryan, but he's 35, and you know whether it be Trevor Lawrence or uh, you as who's as highly touted as any rookie uh, quarterback is going to be for years and years. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Justin Herbert, who outperforms a lot of prognoses. I mean, at this point, you could argue that he should have been the number one QB. I wouldn't say that for sure um, with what Joe Burrow was able to do with his circumstances there in Cincinnati. I still think he's got a long way to go. But I, I do, as I kind of mentioned in the last podcast, wonder what Miami would have looked like if they had Herbert uh, <laughs> with that offense and if it, what they could have done this season. But nonetheless, I think the Chargers, yeah, it's the job that I don't know if Anthony Lynn necessarily deserved to be fired. But, I mean, they did not necessarily live up to expectations with some of the talent they've had um, at this point. And, uh, but I, I do think it's just as, uh, you know, they have a lot of the pieces you'd want as a head coach. I think that's, that's what makes them a team that maybe has an advantage over some of these other uh, opportunities out there. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at some of the other ones and I think the biggest um, rumor mill right now is urban Meyer has become the guy that's, uh, you know, at least from a media standpoint, uh, mm-hmm. he's all over the place when it comes to the rumors. I know uh, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, uh, he was talking about uh, the rumor was that uh, Meyer wanted $12 million a year. Uh, that's a lot of money. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you know what? <laughs> the NFL teams have money, and uh, <laughs> they're not afraid to throw it around. Uh, and uh, that could be something that could certainly happen if the right fit is there. Uh, I would think that probably in this scenario, if you're someone like Urban Meyer who hasn't coached uh, in a while – 
you're not just going to come back and kind of ease yourself into a situation where there's a lot of unknowns at the most important positions. And so I think obviously the Jags would be the one that would make the most sense because they do have Mm -hmm. the top pick. They're probably getting Trevor Lawrence, maybe Justin Fields. I don't know, like whoever it is, like you're going (laughs) to, you're going to feel confident though, that you at least feel good about your number one position at quarterback. And I think that for him would probably be appealing, but you know, elsewhere, would he want to go to the Jets? I mean, why would you want to do that? Like, there's no chance. Um, you know, and then you look at some of the others, like even the Lions, again, like we said, they have talent, but you still have to completely, yeah. which look, we're not saying that about the Jags. Like, the Jags are terrible. Like, there's a reason why they have the number one pick, but um, I think just getting someone like that or feeling like you have your quarterback of the future, um, that's that's a much different situation than maybe some of these others. But again, I mean, what's, you know, what's the difference with, with some of the teams like the Chargers who feel like they have that in Justin Herbert. Um, and then, you know, you've got Deshaun Watson, who you feel like mm-hmm. is someone that can certainly win you games. Yeah. Uh, there's there's lots of interesting options there, but at the same time, I don't know. Like, again, it's it's been a while since he's coached, and, you know, he got out last time, and um, I, I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I don't I, – like you said, I think Jaguars are the one job I could see him taking. The Texans, as much as – yeah, I mentioned, uh, you know, the, the young quarterbacks. Deshaun's still pretty young. Um, but compared to like the situations with Herbert and with, I'm, I'm project, I would, I'd hope it'd be Lawrence. If they took fields number one imagine the, the reaction that would yeah. happen there. <laughs> well, Jets fans um, would probably be, be okay with that. So, oh, they would, they would be going crazy, but no, I, I just, with Deshaun, as we talked about the Texans, they've, <laughs> thanks to Bill O'Brien have really cleared out the cabinet. There's not around him it's pretty brutal and there's not a lot of picks to to work with to to work on that that's what scares me obviously their number three pick that would have gone to them in the laramie tunsil trade goes to miami so it's uh that that that's the one thing with the texans it's you have to take some time to to recoup some of the 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 things that you give away to try to build back around it obviously deshaun's still quite young and still a lot of time to do that. So I, I still think that's a really intriguing spot. I just think for Urban Meyer, yeah, Jacksonville is probably the one that I would look at. The Chargers, I mean, maybe, but does he really want to uh, – one of the notes Jim Trotter, uh, NFL media's Jim Trotter, noted that Dean Spanos is going to be more involved in the hiring process for the Chargers. I don't know if that's a good thing. He's not exactly an owner with the uh, – he has kind of a reputation for being a bit cheap. Um, so that that also doesn't really help with the, the, the figure you mentioned uh, that Urban Meyer could be looking for. But also just anytime I hear that an owner is going to be more involved in some uh, in, in a hiring process, it does concern me uh, with the football operations uh, when they shouldn't at this point trust who they have in front of them. That's allegedly what's happening with the Jets, and that's the one thing about the Jets' job. Uh, I, ownership doesn't have the best track record, but by all accounts, they're letting Joe Douglas kind of handle this on his own. He is the kind of guy that uh, people in the league do like working with. It, it makes the Jets' coaching job finally be some like the most attractive it's probably been in a decade. Um, and they also have a chance to maybe do what Chris Bauer did with the Colts a few years, a couple years ago when they traded the back from the number three spot with the Jets, ended up turning those picks into Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson. That was for the, in the Sam Darnold trade. The Jets could trade back if they don't like a quarterback at number two. Uh, and they feel like they can still try to see what's going to happen with Sam Darnold as they, they fit more pieces around him. They could trade back, um, and kind of try to acquire, do something similar to what Indianapolis has done in terms of getting the top picks and recouping more because they just need more good players. They don't need a ton of great guys. They need to just have a a team of of good football players. And they have, I mean, they did draft pretty well. Makai Becton worked out really well, uh, looking like the best offensive lineman from last year's first round. 
Um, and I, so that that's the one thing about the Jets. I just don't know if that's a fit for Urban, like what you're saying. I think the Jaguars are the one spot where that fits. But I do think the Jets' job, because of Joe Douglas, is probably and because of the ownership allegedly letting him kind of handle it all and not try, you know, trying to kind of maybe do what the Browns did. There was a while for Browns ownership was way too involved uh, in a lot of their personnel decisions, and they kept going through GMs and coaches, and they finally. I've allegedly, you know, let this last year, we're like, hey, we're going to put our trust into our guy. And then he's going to, and he it was able to, uh, Paul D. Potesta was able to make his own hiring as the head of football operations and bring in Kevin Stefanski. That's worked out pretty well. They, as they, you know, have allowed these guys to make these decisions on their own. They've built in the, the foundation there for Cleveland. That is not an easy thing to do. Um, and for a Browns team that obviously didn't win a game just a couple few years ago. So it's a different situation for the Jets than that, but a somewhat similar model in terms of, uh, I think, an ownership realizing they need to pull back the reins. Uh, that's the thing that the Lions haven't done, and that's what, that job is, especially with Stafford uh, possibly wanting uh, to move on. Uh, there's kind of That seems to be the, the thing you're hearing from people that are close to the lines that Dan Orlovsky is a guy that has worked with obviously in the media now, but has played with Stafford kind of reporting on uh, talking about on his, on ESPN about uh, Stafford wanting to possibly move on. So these things are kind of, I, I just don't know about Detroit, man. I don't think they've, that situation is not a place where, you know, the, the Falcons, I still think you have some interesting things still have Matt Ryan that is not going to be leaving the Lions without Stafford. I think they need to completely tear down. I just don't know if that's the job right now. Uh, that when I'm looking at this, the ranking, that might be the worst one for me. Well, that's funny. I was just about to ask you, we're going to wrap up with this, with our <laughs> picks here. If you had to pick the one you absolutely would not take, uh, it'd be at the very bottom of your list. You would go with the lions. I, I think so. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, the, the new ones that just, the, the ones that just happened that came up, the chargers, jets, Jaguars, in some order for me, crazy enough, the jets might be a little higher than, uh, some of these other teams just because, of Joe Douglas being able to, if, if you're getting hired by him and you're able to work together with him with all the cap space they also have and what they can do with their picks and some of the guys that they already have picked in the in this past draft uh, it's a, it's an int- intriguing spot I mean the Texans are close to maybe for my number three spot it's definitely Chargers Jags one two in some order and then Texans Jets in some order after that I just tend yeah just think uh, between the Lions and Falcons Detroit probably just by default between those two is the one that I would rank at the bottom but i need to i need to look more into into the line i just yeah i mean falcons ownership and arthur blank too i just i feel better about that situation in atlanta and what they've you know been able to build in the past what the you know just history of ownership is such a big thing and how these owners uh, are involved i mean it's something that isn't as underrated as maybe as it used to be everyone sees how robert Kraft, how well it all worked out for him but the same thing with the rooney family in pittsburgh all the ownership is a huge thing and I do, and that's one thing I'm still concerned with the Chargers. <laughs> that is one part with the Spanos' involvement. Um, but I do think the Jets possibly reeling back on that. I think the Falcons have great ownership. I think the Jags also, uh, the, the con, I think they've not necessarily a, a group that has made the best decisions, but I do think they have put trust in football people to make football decisions. Those are the kind of things I look for. The Lions do not have the best history. And when they, when they have allowed people to make decisions, especially as we saw with Patricia, I, I just don't know. It's a it's a tougher tougher place for me to look at. Yeah, I'd probably put the Lions and the Jets fighting for my bottom spot. Even though what you said with the 
the whole GM situation and stuff mm-hmm. with the Jets, I still just, you know, I don't know. I just, I feel like they're still not there. I think it's going to take a little while for them. At the top, I with you, I'd probably put Chargers or Jags. I'd probably go Chargers one, Jags two. Uh, Chargers, new stadium, best uniforms. Like, come on, that's got to mean something. <laughs> uh, and like you said, you have Justin Herbert, who we saw a lot of good things from uh, in his first season. So there, there's lots of stuff I think you can build on if you're the Chargers, even though you're chasing the Chiefs uh, in that division, the Raiders and Broncos. Yeah. Like we said, though, I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, how it's not like there's a huge gap there where you're trying to battle the Raiders and the Broncos. Like you could, uh-huh. you could be the team that's above both of those, just based on how inconsistent we've seen uh, those two be. So I think the Chargers in a fine spot. Uh, Jags, you know, if the Texans make a good move, then you're trying, you're looking up at trying to battle with the Titans and Colts. And look, they're none of those teams have been the most consistent, but uh, at least mm-hmm. the Titans uh, move beyond their nine and seven season this year. Uh, so we can no longer uh, make that uh, joke about the <laughs> Titans, but uh, we'll talk more about the rest of these coaching situations uh, as we go along. Uh, I'm sure there'll still be plenty of discussion, lots of rumors yeah. throughout the playoffs. We'll talk more about that. And as we said, we'll talk about the playoffs themselves uh, coming up on our second episode this week. Uh, but Dylan, for now, uh, lots of stuff over at clutch points, talking about a lot of these rumors with coaching changes. And of course, a lot of NBA stuff happening as well. Yeah, you can follow all the NFL playoffs coming up in the Clutch Points app on our score screen there. You can also go for any of these NBA games every night. There's quite a few of them, as you know, and you can follow all those in the Clutch Points app as well. Uh, you can read all of our content in there. You go to clutchpoints.com. Yeah, we've broken down a lot of these uh, head coaching opportunities, uh, ranking the best uh, candidates for certain jobs, ranking ranking the jobs as well. We have all that content you can read at clutchpoints.com, all the news, all the covering all the different rumors, all the guys uh, get, with the most uh, buzz around them. Definitely Robert Sala up there, Eric, the enemy of the Chiefs, a guy that last year was surprised he didn't get hired. I don't think that will be the case again. He's getting a ton of buzz. You can read all of that on clutchpoints.com. And, yeah, we'll have a lot of previews, a lot more content. Uh, even though there's no more fantasy, it's still uh, – for I know a lot, of, a lot of you, fantasy is probably one of the most exciting times of the year for football. But for me, this is what when I think about my memories as a uh, growing up as a football fan, it's all about the playoffs. And uh, really, really excited to to keep talking about this, keep uh, having reading our content at Clutch Points, and yeah, just couldn't be more excited for the playoffs in this crazy crazy year that somehow they were able to play all 256 games yeah it's unbelievable but uh, like you said we got it all covered over clutch points check all that out there and uh be sure to subscribe to the podcast any podcast app you use you can find us on there and uh thanks as always to the fine folks at blue wire for all that they do and thank you as always for listening and we'll talk to you guys next time here on the establish the past podcast <laughs>